The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. This is episode number 390, and I will be talking to Jacob and John Michael, who are two uh, documentary filmmakers, talking about their new resource, Into the Light, in just a little bit. I'll also be talking to Tree and Scott about social media and ministry, but right now I'm here with Tree um, to talk about uh, resources. Uh, Tree, um, I'd love for you to share a resource that's been helpful to you in ministry. And let me just go ahead and interject before you do that. Just want to remind our listeners, Tree actually recently created a resource for RYM. It's a new Bible study uh, on the fruit of the spirit. It's a 12 week study. If people go to our um, resource tab on the link, I mean, on the, on our website and click on the Bible studies link, you'll find it. It's a free download. Um, so Tree, hey, thank you for for creating that. Um, I also want to remind our listeners that we're trying to put some of this in the show notes. Um, so again, check the links in the show notes. Also, if you want to skip around the episode as well, we'll put the timestamps on there so you can do that. Um, but Tree, uh, what is a resource that is helpful to you right now in ministry? It could be a book, a blog post, a podcast, mm-hmm. a YouTube video, anything that's been helpful in ministry right now. Yeah. Uh, I've been reading The Leader's Journey by Jim Harrington, Trisha Taylor, and Robert Creech. And my senior pastor and I are, are reading this together. And it deals uh, a lot. And, and this is a, kind of a big picture resource. It's kind of helping us deal with um, and figure out how to uh, work with our staff amidst uh, conflict. Not that we're like experienced like lots y'all, of conflict. Y'all hate we're each just, other. Yeah, no, no, not that at all. Uh, <laughs> we love each other. Uh, but the, the, it it deals a lot with systems theory. So looking at like the the staff as a system, and uh, the thing that's been so helpful for me is just looking at the the idea of acute and chronic anxiety in a system, mm-hmm. and just looking at the the types of things that cause chronic anxiety in a system. And, and if you're you're not familiar with what that is, it's essentially like our reactions to things are always based on like certain anxieties and, and fears that we have. And Interesting. Uh, it's really helped me kind of think about the way that I speak to people, speak to other staff members um, and, and being able to like read the room a little bit and and know when, when I can see someone's anxieties coming up. Cause it, it really does affect the way that we do stuff. Uh, hmm. And he, he uses the example of like when you're driving and you see a child step out from between a car, your instant reaction is to slam on the brakes. Uh, and that's a good reaction. Um, that's a good, good reaction to, to anxiety. Um, but a lot of times we have those types of reactions with other things. So maybe when we're having a conversation with, with someone who's above us in ministry, like we may have some fears that go into that conversation every time. So this has really helped me kind of shape the way that I think about that. Um, and it's been really helpful. I'm only a couple chapters in, uh, but I've highlighted a good portion of those three chapters just because it's it's so good. 
Hey, should we say the title again of the book? Yes, it's called The Leader's Journey. The The tagline is Accepting the Call to Personal and Congregational Transformation. And it's yeah. by Jim Harrington, Trisha Taylor, and Robert Creech. All right. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that. That sounds very yeah. helpful. Um, now we've also been asking our guests a, a, a resource that's not related to ministry. And we kind of, you know, this is a podcast so no one can see us, but put like air quotes around resource. This can be a very broad category. Um, so something that's been helpful outside of ministry. Yeah. So uh, this isn't a very serious answer because it's more for my own just personal love. Uh, I've really gotten back into Star Wars. I, I grew up loving Star oh, Wars. Yeah. And- I kind of went through this phase where I, I still liked it, but it was just kind of in the background. And I, I just never, I mean, I would watch the new shows when they would come out and that was fun. Uh, but I started listening to this Star Wars podcast. It's actually done by a student in our congregation. It's called the Twin Sun Talks podcast. And I've really gotten into that. And it's kind of rejuvenated my love for Star Wars. So I've actually gone back and just just for my own like personal like love and fun, I've gone back and like rewatched just about everything Star Wars related. So uh, it's it's kind of given me a, a a hobby, I guess. So yeah, Twin Sun talks. Jonah Lou, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, just kind of rejuvenating my first love uh, of Star Wars. Very cool. And um, I remember this now because at YLT, you had a hat. Um, <laughs> t- tell me about that hat real quick. I'm trying to remember what uh, it was. So it it, it was a. You know, I, I used to make fun of people that wore hats like that because uh, I thought it was goofy. I, I'm, I used to make fun of people that wore the flat brim hats, but now I'm like super into them. Uh, so it was a flat brim hat, and it had it's it's like one of those national park hats, but subtly it it was a picture of the planet Tatooine with the uh, the two suns <laughs> in the background, and it says Tatooine National Park, and it's very subtle. Like most people don't yeah. even realize it's a Star Wars reference, but. Um, but it's funny that the uh, the piano player from the band had the same hat. Yes, Dan- and, uh, Daniel Campbell. Yeah, right. he he walked up and he said, "Nice hat." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." And then I looked up, I was like, "Oh, you're wearing the same hat." Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm super I'm I nerd out on Star Wars. It it gets me very excited. So I'm well, and it also identifies me as a nerd because I knew what it was. Um, Ooh, there you but, go. but seeing the hat, it did. It looked like one of the national park hats, and then you look at it, you're like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that. That's yep. helpful. Um, right now I'm going to be talking to you and then Scott Bird is going to join us as well. All right. I'm here with Scott Bird and Tree Triolo. Uh, guys, how's it going? It's going good. Doing well. It's always good to be here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good to see you guys and, um, Tree, I know you shared, that Star Wars is kind of a resource that you're enjoying. And I couldn't help but notice the mug that you're drinking out of. What, what did it say? It says, I like my coffee on the dark side. It's got a picture of Darth Vader on it. Darth Vader's helmet. Yep. I also, also have a mug that has a bunch of lightsabers on it. And when you put something hot in it, the lightsabers light up. Man, that is cool. Check out my manly drink. It's uh, LaCroix yeah. Yeah, Guava Sao Paulo. It's about the most feminine can they could have possibly made. So <laughs> come on, LaCroix, do better. Um, all right, guys. Uh, so we are here to talk about social media and ministry. 
Um, those who are tuning in know that I spent three episodes talking with Chandler about uh, social media and youth ministry, and this came from a WOWT elective that we had, um, trying to think of uh, you know good ways in which we can use social media, but then also trying to push back a little bit on maybe the ways that we're utilizing it and trying to foster ultimately discernment. Um, and I want to be careful, too. I know that it is kind of taking a more critical look at social media. And um, I know all of us would say there are good ways in which we can use it and there are useful ways without a doubt, um, but also just trying to push back a little bit. So uh, let's just start. Um, Scott, why don't you start with just ways in which you're using it for your ministry and then Tree, you can share as well. Yeah, so we use uh, Instagram and it's connected to Facebook, but most of our interaction and, and posting is through Instagram. Um, and so we use it for a, a couple of different reasons. One, one reason we use it is to uh, just for communication purposes. Uh, we send out emails weekly that I think the read rate on those is something like 60% or 60 to 70%. But I don't know if that includes, you know, how you can mark an email unread. I feel like that might be a part of that because it feels like a lot fewer parents are reading than uh, 60, 70%. So, so we send out emails that have a lot of the, the stuff in it that we want to communicate. Um, but Instagram is kind of a, it's one of our, you know, most um, effective ways of communicating to, to parents and students. You know, if we post something on our story, we can see how many people see that. And it might be like 130 people have seen it and it's people you know, just in the church that may not have anything to do with the youth ministry. And so they're kind of getting to see what we're doing as a ministry and um, our students are seeing it and stuff. But, you know, if we, if we just do a regular post that might get, you know, 20 or 30 interactions. And um, so it's not quite as, as good, I think, as a, a story. I don't know much about all this, so it could be just as good. I have no clue. But um, so one is, is communication purposes. Like, here's what we have going on. Here's the details for it. And it's up there and it's a place that students can easily go back and see, you know, what, what are the times for that thing or whatever it is. Um, so that's one thing is communication about events and things. And then two, we try to post uh, pictures from trips and, you know, retreats and things like that. I remember when, when my second son or my second child, first son was born, uh, I didn't go to RYM. And I remember sitting at home just, wondering like, man, I wonder what they're doing. Like, I wonder how it's going. And then I thought, I bet parents think this constantly when their kid's gone, just, just kind of wanting to see their kids and and what's going on. Um, So since then we've tried to post once a day when we're on a retreat or a trip, just to kind of give parents a a heads up on, or not a heads up, but just to include them in what's going on. Um, So those are kind of the two main ways that we do it. Yeah. Well, and Scott, I think I know the answer to this, but let me, let me ask you when you were talking about email and how you think, you know, 60 to 70 or whatever the number was, but you said it feels like a lot less. Why do you say it feels like a lot less or actually reading the emails? Cause I get a lot of questions about things that are in the email. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's what I thought. Um, do you put anything in the emails of like encouraging people to check the email, like before they reach out and ask you a question, anything like that? Do I put anything in the email encouraging them to check the email? Yeah. No, I think that would, I think the people that are opening that are already like, yeah, we're doing that. And then the people <laughs> that are not opening the email wouldn't see it. 
Okay. I've seen some people that do that. They kind of have a clause, you know, before you reach out with questions, please refer back to the email, something along those lines. So I was just curious. Um, that, that's helpful. That tree, what, what about you? How are you utilizing social media? Are you utilizing it in ministry? Yes. Uh, we also use Instagram and I'm actually in the process of trying to think through how effective it actually is for us. Um, you know, it, based on the amount of likes we get, I mean, it, it could be effective. It could be not. I, I really don't care to be honest. I'm, I'm not much of a social media user. Um, I think I've got like maybe 10 posts on my own personal Instagram over the past, like five years. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to think through ways of, of making that more effective because it is the easiest form of communication because our, we do send out a monthly schedule via email. And I think most, most of our folks are pretty good about keeping track of that. Um, but it, I do do like a weekly bl blast for our Bible studies and for our uh, large groups on Wednesday nights. And, um, we also use it to, you know, post pictures of retreats, um, post some videos, uh, highlights and, and celebrations. So, um, yeah, if, if like a student wins something like, we'll we'll try and highlight them if they can, or if, if they get in, if we hear they've, um, gotten into college, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll put something for close to graduation about it. And, um, so it's mostly for communication. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to like figure out how effective it is because we have a lot of newer younger students coming up that uh, probably just aren't following us yet on Instagram mm -hmm. so I need to I need to like sit down on a Wednesday night and just talk to individual students and seeing if, if they want to uh, if they would be if that would be effective for them um, mm -hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm probably the least uh, literate when it comes to to the like I've, I don't think I've ever posted a story or a reel like that that's how bad I am at this so um <laughs> one thing that I do love about our Instagram so I, I this is you know my, my own nerd in me I, I like a working graphic for our our teaching stuff so uh we we always have like a graphic for our teaching series and then it like morphs and changes over time so that Ooh. that's that's one nerdy thing that I like about our our social media use wow so, so do you make those oh. graphics Yes. Uh, Way to go. Don't don't be too impressed because Canva is very easy, and uh, <laughs> I've gotten really good at using it. So very nice. So hey, follow up on that. Um, when you said that you try to highlight, you know, if a student's received an award or uh, some kind of accomplishment, have you missed uh, an award that a student got and did not post, and you heard about that, got feedback? Um, uh, I would be scared to do that. All that to say, yeah. I mean, it's not something we do often, but like if I'm at a game and they're they're like running, like I don't. So say they're I'm at a track meet or something, and like I'll, I'll film them crossing the finish line. I'll like post a quick thing, like "Hey, congrats, congrats to this kid." Um, but again, it's not something I do a ton. Um, yeah, but but I can see that that might. Maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, not to. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good thing. I, I just. I guess some of this is my reaction to, you know, years ago, I went to a football game or whatever, and um, I got an email from a parent of, well, how come you don't come to our football game on Friday night? Or how come you miss my son playing? And I'm thinking, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I can't be everywhere all, all the time. But, you know, I can just see someone saying, yeah, well, hey, you posted this accomplishment, but you did not highlight my child's accomplishment. 
Um, so yeah, just to give you a little bit of anxiety uh, in your job, because I'm sure you, you don't have enough. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about all the ones I've posted now. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you my favorite thing that we were posted? Yes. So we, during, during COVID, we did these, uh, these zoom, uh, Jackbox tournaments with, uh, Jackbox game, Jack's Jackbox games. I forget the, I forget the name of the game that we always played, but we did this tournament and I would always uh, like deliver a milkshake to the winner. And the kid that won was allergic to milk. Uh, So it was like, well, (laughs) shoot, what am I going to do? But he actually outgrew his milk allergy that week. So like we, we made a huge deal and like made this big video uh, about celebrating like his first milkshake ever. And like our, our, I had students come up to me the next week. They're like, that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. That was so cool. So that is cool. Man. Um, okay. So follow up. I know we only have about five more minutes, but, um, Scott, you said something like you could not really, like you were looking at the analytics to, to Instagram, but you don't know how, um, as much uh, tree, you said something like you're terrible. I can't remember your exact words, but I'm asking, do you guys have people that are helping with this? And do you use students to even help with like social media? Scott, I'd love to hear from you on this. Yeah, so we used to have a student that did it, um, and it was okay. Uh, it was not necessarily the vibe that we, we were going for. Uh, and so we had our interns, our college interns, kind of take over from there. And so they obviously are uh, in that world and, and kind of mm-hmm. know about that. And um, so it's been helpful because I'm I'm the same as true. Like I have an Instagram account that I don't think I've posted. I don't think I've ever posted anything on it. Uh, and so... <laughs> Yeah, that's so I'm just not in that world. So it's been really helpful to have some younger uh, people who are in that world kind of post. And there's all these unwritten rules about social media that I have no idea. You know, you can't post a certain amount of times in a day. If you do, it's cringy and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's helpful to have somebody that knows that and knows those rules. Zero posts, Scott Bird. 101 (laughs) followers, though. 101 followers. Look at that. Way to go, man. With with no posts. I do have to ask, do you want to share some of those cringy rules that you've learned? I mean, one, you just said if you post a certain number of times in a day, it's it's cringy. Do, do you remember anything that you've picked up on this that could, could be helpful? No, I mean, yeah, that's, this is why I don't do it because I don't But is, is that a real one? If you post too much, that's mm-hmm. cringy? Yeah, I think it's like one a day is kind of the limit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And then there's like, I don't know, like stories are supposed to be more kind of like, hard because they disappear after you know uh, 24 hours or whatever and the your posts are kind of like your your storefront like this is the this is the the vibe that we're going for as a ministry or something like that or who i am and then stories are just more like day-to-day type stuff i guess okay yeah um tree what about you do you have someone who helps with this and have you used students before to help uh, I never use students. Uh, I've had interns do it before. Uh, and it, I think it's been more effective when they do it. Um, one, because they're, they have been more on top of it than I have. So, uh, it, it would be an often thing like Sunday afternoon, I get a text from my interns. Like, do you have a graphic for tonight? And I'm like, Oh yes. Uh, and I'm like sending it to them quickly. Um, uh, so I've had people do it and it's more consistent when I have other people do it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I do have 
at least two follow-ups um, from what we uh, just shared, but I know we're kind of close to time. So let's pick up on these next week, um, talking with the two of you, and um, let's see who's, I've got to look at my schedule uh, to see who's up, because again, to our listeners behind the scenes, uh, these are always filmed out of order and filmed. <laughs> I'll tell you why I said filmed. These are recorded out of order. But we have two filmmakers that are coming on next, uh, Jacob and John Michael, who uh, created the documentary Into the Light, and I'm excited to talk with them and uh, share some more information about this resource. So here they are. Jacob, John Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're stoked to be here. Yeah, it's, it's good to, to get to meet you guys. And uh, it's been fun even before we started recording, getting to just kind of catch up and hear a little about, bit about each of your stories. Um, but before we get into the story and just uh, what we're here to talk about, uh, just tell our listeners where you're joining us from and just a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Jacob, you want you want to start or John Michael? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can start. Uh, so my name is John Michael Bout, and I grew up in Niagara, Canada. Uh, but through a, a series of events, I ended up now at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is where we're coming from right now. Uh, I'm married for almost two years and have uh, one son and another uh, baby in the womb right now. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats. I'm a... Uh, yeah, J- thanks. Jacob Volk. I uh, grew up with Jamichael. We've been friends for a, a long time, and our families have been friends for a long time. Grew up in Niagara through um, a whole series of stuff that we'll, we'll talk about. I also ended up here at, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, I got here a year before he did. And uh, yeah, I live I live and work at uh, ReCenter Ministries, which is a, a homeless shelter just down the road here. So super, super grateful to be here. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. And uh yeah, letting our listeners know, we, we spent a portion of the time catching up, talking about the beauty of Southern Seminary. Um, oh, awesome, amen. <laughs> awesome place, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, glad glad to um, talk about that. Glad you guys are there. Um, so we're here to talk about a documentary that the two of you guys have put together entitled Into the Light. Um, and oftentimes, those who listen to the podcast know if I have an author on to talk about their book, I'll, I'll often get them to talk about the title first. And so I'd love for you guys mm. to start just with the title of this documentary, <clears throat> Into the Light. Um, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, you, you probably wrestled with maybe various inter- iterations of that. And <laughs> I see by your response, yes, you're both nodding to that. Uh, so yes. just talk a little bit about that, how, how you guys arrived on this title. We, we have a, a document somewhere buried in our systems that has like well over 70 names and iterations of names that we agonized over for about a month, probably. The, the idea behind Into the Light, though, is just the theme of light and bringing, being brought from darkness into light. There's just scripture uses it all over the place. Uh, John, Corinthians, it's just it's all over the place. So we wanted that to be kind of the theme of bringing your sin from darkness into light and how that's the redeeming process. So that's kind of the, the backstory behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I know as I would often talk to, to students, um, that, that was one of my encouragements of, Hey, look, Satan wants to keep this in the dark. Um, th- mm-hmm. This issue of pornography and shining a light on it is 
you know, it seems like, okay, we want to kind of battle this in, in the alone in a sense, but, but uh, being in community and sharing it is a step towards healing. And, you know, I, I just yeah. actually finished watching the documentary, which is, is great. And I know that some of the council that um, is on the documentary. Um, but mm. why don't we go ahead and start there. T- tell us some of the origins of this documentary, how this, this came about, the concept, everything, whoever wants to, to start. Yeah, really the why behind this documentary uh, for myself and Jacob starts with our own stories. Um, So like I was talking about, I grew up in a a great Christian home in Niagara, Canada, and my parents taught me good theology. We were involved in church, uh, youth group, all all the good stuff. And even in the context of that blessing, I came across pornography for the first time when I was around age eight. So just incredibly young, stumbled upon it and very quickly that uh, just stumbling across that curiosity turned into a full-blown addiction. Um, So over uh, nearly a decade, I got really good at living the the double lifestyle of being involved in church and youth group and leading things and all the the time feeding a a growing love for pornography, a growing addiction uh, with pornography. Um, So Growing up, I would call myself a Christian, and I looked like a Christian from the outside. And But I wouldn't say that I was living a consistent life until I was around age 16, 17. Uh, I was sitting down with some really good older Christian guys, and they were sharing about how God was working in their lives at a conference they had been to. And I remember think, feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, like, if you don't open up right now, if you don't confess your sin, you never will. And you will remain living this hypocritical lifestyle, this double lifestyle for the rest of your life. And yeah, by God's grace, I did open up to them there. I did confess my sin and uh, really for the first time, properly confessed it to God. Um, and that was when I could start, like what I point back people back to, that I could start saying in truth, I love the Lord. And I could say, I start loving people properly. Um, so from there, I was I joined an accountability group. Uh, the Lord gave me freedom over years of fighting, uh, some really good books, some, some good community. But one thing that I noticed in my accountability group was that Christians kept w- w- knew that pornography was wrong. Like all my friends knew pornography was wrong, but they didn't really know what change looked like. And while I kept recommending different resources to people, nobody was picking any of them up. Uh, and maybe I'll let Jake, you, you pick up the story from here. But that was kind of, for me, it was a growing tension as the Lord gave me freedom from pornography, gave me a passion for other people who are struggling with pornography. And I just noticed people aren't, aren't using the resources that are out there. Yeah. So I, I grew up really similar situation. Like I, like I said, our families are, are very close friends. Um, the one slight difference between our story, this, our stories is, well, we both had parents who talked to us about pornography by the grace of God um, and, and due to a, my mom, really, who was so insistent about talking about it from a young age, I never got hooked on pornography proper. And that's rare. That's not, most of my friends don't have the blessing of, of being able to say that. However, I was completely addicted to masturbation and lust in my mind for most of my teenage years. And Jesus is clear about that, that 
you know, looking with lust in your eyes. So, but what I could also do though, was hold up this Pharisee card on the other side by saying to myself, I, I don't struggle with pornography. And so I lived in the murkiness of lack of clarity about what my active sin was for a long time until very similar to John Michael, good friends, um, a powerful conference, just started growing this conviction like this is sin, this is wrong. And and yeah, it was a slower process, but I, it, took, it took time, but God had freed me from that addiction. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And so kind of in, in, you know, in that whole process of, of breaking free from sin, that was when for both of us, we really began to, to love Jesus properly and maybe love Jesus for the first time genuinely. And so, you know, I had a career in, in advertising and, and film and stuff and it felt um, the call, the, the aspiration to be a pastor. So that led me over, over a couple of years to come here to Southern. And I got this really cool opportunity while I was here to talk with Tim Challies. And so we, I grabbed coffee with him and I was talking, I asked him about his book, Sexual Detox. And Tim's, uh, you've talked to him, Tim's really funny. He's got a really great dry sense of humor. <laughs> He's like, eh, the book's fine. He's like, I wrote it a long time ago. Um, there are better books out there, which again, I thought was so funny because that, that book's been impactful for us. And then he kind of stopped and he said, you know, it's interesting to me we have this video problem of pornography and in answer, we typically write books. There could be room, could be space for a counseling oriented resource that would like tackle this problem of pornography in, in like video form. And I was, I was just there like, he had no idea that, that, I, that I worked in film or we worked in film, but that got me like really excited and thinking. And I called Jamichael and I said, cause he was back in Canada at this point. And I was like, bro, is there room, is there a space for us to, to reach out to all of the like, authors who have meant so much to us and been so helpful to us and like assemble them together into a documentary? And so that started it about a year and a half long process for us. This was in late 2021 when this, when this conversation with Tim happened. Um, and we can talk about some of the details of that, but I guess the, the, what resulted from that was, was this documentary is called Into the Light. And it's a teaching documentary on freedom from pornography. And it, it walks through the process of change from bondage and sexual sin to freedom in Christ. And it's, it's a resource we built for the church. And so, and we're here. It just, it just premiered a few weeks ago and, and people can watch it uh, for free. We can talk about why that is mm -hmm. if, you, if you're interested. People can watch it for free on our, on our website, uh, intothelightdocumentary.com. And we're, uh, we're thrilled. We're really grateful. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm grateful for all the work you guys have put into this. Grateful for, for both of your stories and just being vulnerable uh, to, to share. Mm -hmm. um, and I do j just kind of thinking of, of both of your stories, how they are different. Um, that, that's one thing I appreciate about the documentary is how nuanced it's discussed because I think some people just mm -hmm. assume, okay, when you're talking about pornography, it's this one thing that's explicit images or whatever. Um, but we know just the deceitful nature of sin and that um, even I'm trying to remember who it was who, um, uh, you know, in the interviews said that somebody could look at this, you know, one um, female mm. walking through uh, airport and t 10 different people could process that image totally differently. And so we, we just yeah. need to think of how people 
struggle with this in nuanced ways. And then obviously as we'll, we'll get into this, but you have two females that are a part of this uh, series to help us think about from a male and female perspective, which is, is so helpful. Um, hmm. I'm curious too, just, just uh, as you, you're talking about kind of the origins of this, how long did this entire process take? I mean, it says, you know, in the credits, you guys wrote this, you guys produced this, you guys directed this. And so you're kind of scripting some of this, you're outlining it. I mean, just maybe from the seed concept to when Jacob pitched to you, John Michael, and I don't know if you're like, no, you're crazy. We're not going to do this, but <laughs> just kind of that, that whole process. We, we've done a lot of work together. So as soon as you threw the idea, I was like, this is great. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I think it started October of 2021 yep. was when the idea came up. And honestly, I, within a few weeks of you throwing the idea out to me, uh, we started working on it. And that Christmas, we just spent basically the whole break uh, writing, thinking through, trying to read as many books on this topic as we could. And we just started firing off emails. Um, and the whole process took a year and a half between writing, reading, crowdfunding the whole thing, and producing, editing it, and now releasing. Um, so by God's grace, from 2021 now to January of 2023, uh, it's been released. So the first, because um, one of the, the, the key for us was we should not be in this documentary. Um, our faces appear at the end on the testimony section for, for um, you know, for clarity. But as far as teaching stuff, we wanted to involve all, all of these speakers who have meant so much to us, right? So our, our role is behind the scenes to collect. And we did a lot of writing and structuring because that's what we do best. We tell stories. But we wanted the experts that we respect mm. to be the ones who teach. And so we spent months working on really clarifying what we wanted to do so that when we approached our speakers, we had a very clean, clear idea of what we were asking of them. And so uh, we've, we've told this to Deepak. Um, he was one of the first emails we sent. So we filmed a little video of us for Deepak saying like 60 seconds, here's, here's our, what we're asking of you. We wrote this really tight email. We, we, like went, we worked really hard at it, but we didn't have his email. So what we ended up doing was we guessed his email. We knew he worked um, for Capitol Hill Baptist Church. So we tied Deepak.Reju, uh, Deepak.Reju, D.Reju. We just tried a whole bunch and, and we just sent them all off. And then it just got like ping, 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 all these return uh, from non-existent emails. And then one of them went through. And then within a few hours, Deepak shoots us an email. And it's like, guys, this looks really interesting. Let's talk. And so Valentine's Day of 2022, we had a quick call with him and he was so generous and, and just really jumped on, on the vision of it and said he would take chapter four, uh, which was like the practical radical measures. That was something he's passionate about. And uh, he looked at us and said, hey, so who's, uh, who's ignoring your emails? Let me, uh, let me start getting, helping you guys get in contact with people. Oh, and so again, what a, what a generous, I, I, we thank God for that so much because that started an, an avalanche of connecting with a person, with another person Absolutely. and a meeting in here for several months, kind of lining up this incredible collection of, of speakers, um, yeah. which are, which are um, yeah, Deepak, Deepak Reju, Ellen Dykas, Jeremy Pierre, Heath Lambert, Jenny Solomon, and Garrett Kell. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted the cast. I was going to ask you to do that. Um, and that's awesome that you guys guessed <laughs> Deepak's uh, email. Um, that, that's great. Uh, curious, too. I, I know that you kind of, you might have answered this. Um, 
how did you settle on six people? Um, you know, how, how did you whittle that down? There's obviously so many directions you can go in this, this documentary. Just wondering totally. how you settled on, on these. Man, John, I love these questions. These are really, <laughs> these are really fun. Cause I mean, yeah. you're a, you're, you're a creator. You, you have like built teaching resources. So you kind of know, you know, even in asking some of the things that we wrestled with huh. for, for months on trying to figure out how to make this it work. So you want to take that, John? Sure. Yeah, no. So we were wrestling with what is the question we're going to answer? Because like you're saying, there's so many directions you could go, whether addressing parents, addressing struggling marriages or women specifically, men. And we particularly felt burdened with this resource to address the Christian who knows that pornography is wrong, but doesn't know what the change process looks like for them as they're struggling. Um, so kind of going about that, we, we read a, a lot of books. We were kind of writing down like, what are the key ideas that need to be covered in this? Just the basics of change from bondage and sin to freedom in Christ. And started outlining, how could we collect these together? Would six chapters, 10, five, like what, what could that look like? And it just seemed to collect itself best into six 10 minute chunks. Um, and that, that's how the documentary for those who haven't watched it yet is put together. It's one long story following a couple who are both uh, struggled with pornography and then found freedom. And then following almost in between their story as, as it, it gets told, are these 10 minute teaching blocks that walk through the key ideas that you need to understand, like sin and its consequences, God's good design for our sexuality, digging into our heart motivations, what's going on underneath, like sorrow, confession, accountability, uh, the practical radical measures that we need, um, and what, what true freedom looks like uh, as we push on to our heavenly home. So it, it kind of ended up falling out to be six chapters, but it didn't necessarily need to. Hmm. One of the things then that we're excited about the way it, it, we ended up working with it for the six chapters is another way you can watch the documentary is in a six episode series. And we did that because um, you true change, true like gospel center change always happens in the context of community, in the mm. context of the local church. And so we wanted to kind of build the sa same documentary in a slightly different form so that a small group or a discipleship group or a Bible study can take a six-part series, like take it in six weeks and maybe watch an episode a week and then discuss it in like like a bite-sized format and then long-form discussion. So we're working on a, a, this is another thing, we're working on leader's guides to kind of accompany that. So we wanted to make it in a way that's really accessible to be able to pull it inside confession and community if the, maybe the full documentary doesn't work as well for that. Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I like that, you know, anyone who goes to the side, they can, they can view it in, in either way that they want, because I'm thinking mm -hmm. of churches could utilize this on kind of one night, everybody gather together, you play it in one sitting, and then maybe as they go out, you can kind of give some guidance there. Or if this is more of a, a small group where you can do it um, six weeks in a row. And, you know, I could see a leader kind of setting it up and talking about it and framing the discussion and then breaking it over uh, up over several weeks and all that. So I yeah. like, I like how you can, can do that differently. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that you guys are going to put some leaders guides together. Uh, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that of kind of timeline of when you hope to get that out and what, what that might look like? Yeah, we're hoping to get it out in the next three to four weeks. 
Um, and basically, if you go on the website, you can either put your email in at the bottom or to watch the documentary, put your email in. And then when we've released it, you will get an email just letting you know that it's for free to download on our website as well. And as far as other applications too, like what I really like about this is it's very flexible. Uh, some churches that we've talked to are using in their catechism classes mm. as just a section to talk about sexuality. And uh, another church in Dubai that we've been talking to is using it as part of their leadership training uh, for future pastors, just kind of growing in sexual integrity. Um, so it's, it's cool because you can take this in either one of the forms and apply it into your church context in a way that we might not necessarily know how to do. Um, so it's, it's very flexible for churches, families, individuals. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Um, and I'm curious too, as you guys, you know, started to put this together and you also interviewed each of the individuals, uh, what are some things that, that you all learned in, in this process? And it could have, could be specifically about the topic of pornography, but also just filmmaking in general. Um, I'd love mm -hmm. to just hear kind of broadly, what are some things you guys learned along in the process? Uh, no one asks these questions. <laughs> I love this. Well, especially on the filmmaking side, right? Because that's our area of nerding out on. And it's not <laughs> It's not for every every conversation, right? I, I would say I'll take, maybe maybe there's a process question you can think of. On, on the topical side, one of our convictions early on was like we wanted to, um, we wanted to include women in the conversation and, and address this resource to women as well as men who struggle with pornography. So that was something we were really committed to. We had no idea how much of an issue and how big of a struggle many women and women counselors were grappling with for this. And so we're, we're so grateful that God led us in that direction to start those conversations. But as we talked to more women biblical counselors, as we talked to women who get, shared their testimony with us, um, we just, un, like, we just ran into this huge hurt in our churches of women who are struggling with pornography in, in numbers getting close to the same amount as men yeah. and constantly would hear sermons of, well, men who struggle with pornography and women just not knowing like, what kind of horrible person am I that I struggle with this man's problem? Mm. And so like Ellen Dykas, when we really talked to her about it, she was just like straight up like, guys, no, you like, we were having on for this reason, but she reinforced like, guys, don't even listen to the try and pull a dichotomy. Women struggle with it, men struggle with it, and you have to offer the gospel hope of change to both. And especially our sisters in Christ, they're dealing, if they're, if they're grappling with this sin, with this struggle, they're dealing with levels of shame so much more mm -hmm. because we don't give them the same gospel hope that we're very quick to offer for men. So that was a learning curve for us too to really you know, as a couple of guys, try and understand this from a women's point of view. And so uh, Helen Thorne wrote Purity is Possible, which is, an, which is a really good book. Um, and then Ellen Dykes's book, uh, Sexual Sanity for Women. Sexual Sanity for Women is, a, is like easily top recommend. Like her book's fantastic on it. Yeah. We also did a podcast, like Intellite has a podcast where we interviewed all the speakers as well. And with Ellen's podcast, we talk a lot about women specifically. Uh, if people are interested in more resources on that. Yeah. Uh, something <laughs> something that I learned, uh, I think, going through was just that the topic of masturbation is something that is so important. And I find even the people who are down to talk about pornography, 
which is an, an awkward and challenging conversation sometimes, we're at times not willing to identify and address masturbation because the Bible doesn't have a, like, go to thou shalt not. And so we were just thinking through how do we address that topic because we don't want to leave that unmentioned in our resource. Because um, I know even th things that I'd read before, when it went unaddressed, it left ambiguity for the devil to, t to maybe tell me like, oh, well, that's okay. Or it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, so we, we really wanted to address that in this documentary. And it was actually talking to Jeremy Pierre, uh, who takes the first chapter, and he helped us think through where and how do we have that conversation in the documentary. And he, he suggested you should talk about why masturbation does not fit in God's good design, not in the consequences of sin, which is the first section of the documentary, but after you've walked through the beauty and the goodness and the boundaries that God has set for his design of sexuality. Because it's only when you understand the parameters that God has set for what is good and right and beautiful that you understand why masturbation doesn't fit into that. So that was just a, and I've been using that now in conversations and when I'm talking with other guys, and that has seemed to really click for people, uh, understanding why masturbation is selfish. It's me focused mm -hmm. outside the covenant bonds of marriage, uh, does not image Christ and in the church relationship. So I think, I think that was a big thing that I learned. Yeah, no, that, that's helpful to hear that. Um, and, and there's another aspect of the documentary where you have testimonies that, that people share. And you, you mm. mentioned at the very end, there is a collection of people kind of talking about their own struggle. Just curious, how did you go about recruiting people to do that? Um, what were these <laughs> friends? I, I mean, I'm just thinking personal testimonies are so important and I'm so yeah. glad you guys did that, but that's a delicate thing at the same time. Mm. So just kind of curious, how, how did that come about? So many of them are personal friends of ours. Mm -hmm. I, like easily over half are people that we know. And some of them like our guys that have walked alongside me and I've walked alongside them for over four years. So just on a personal level, it's that part hits me because it's just knowing their own testimonies in a deep way that God does give freedom from pornography and your lives can totally change hmm. uh, is really beautiful. And then some of the other people, we just sent out like a general text message to group chats of people who we thought might be willing to uh, be vulnerable hmm. and, and share that with, with us. And it took, it took a year. Hmm. Yeah. It took a year of, of, asking, requesting, suggesting, and, and different people coming up. And the reasons why people uh, came are really exciting. I, had, I talked to one guy. Um, he's uh, one of the first ones right after, after Daniel. Uh, and he, he's like, you know what? The Psalms are filled with David's sin. And then David then praising God for deliverance from that or, mm. or praising God for his mercy. And so he's like, you know what? This little testimony that I'm doing feels like my psalm because through my sin of pornography and my freedom from that, I get to glorify God all the more because of it. Mm. And I, I love that. Mm -hmm. And then there are, other, there are other people, like we tried very hard to get a wide range of people, old, young, men, women, black, white, Asian, the, the list goes on. And 
a lot of people stepped up because they knew that that was our goal. Mm-hmm. And so there's some some people in there who said, I'm doing this because I know that I want someone who grew up with the same background as me to look at a similar face and say, I can experience freedom like that person did. Yeah. And I, I'm so grateful for, for those people. That, that's awesome. That is because, I mean, that does obviously take vulnerability for them and to, to be on, mm, on the film. Yeah. But that is a, a powerful <clears throat> component of the documentary. I'm glad you guys um, did that. You know, I'm, I'm curious too, you know, as I've been in student ministry for over 20 years, I would find that I would get tired of talking about pornography to students um, because I just, mm. you know, through the years, and, and I, I think that that's a tactic of, of Satan, that he wants to wear us down to kind of keep us silent over this issue. And I'm just curious, too, of just maybe some of the spiritual warfare that you guys dealt with as you're trying to get this resource out there that obviously Satan hates what you guys are doing and he does not want this to, to see the light of day, no, no pun intended there. Um, mm. And so yeah. just curious, though, did, what, what kind of challenges did you guys face in putting this together? Was there a point where you thought, okay, this isn't going to, to be finished? Um, just curious. Mm. Definitely like on a personal level felt more temptation uh, just having uh, an old porn addiction, mm-hmm. there are many things that I still need to live with as far as blockers. I still go to weekly accountability and uh, need that group of men around me to hold me, uh, to live in purity. Uh, and I definitely felt more temptation mm-hmm. at points. And one, <laughs> it's funny because it's like thinking about pornography all the time, I think increased temptation. And like you're saying, the devil uh, wanted to attack both of us as we were working on this. But on the other hand, I have been so strengthened in my battle for purity and to continue in purity just by spending time with many of these amazing authors and soaking in these scriptural truths over and over for literally a year and a half now. Um, So it's, I've also been equipped to fight the devil better through this. Um, I don't know if you have anything, Jake, beyond that. Yeah. I, isn't it often that like the devil is going to attack from one side and then God's going to use that to grow? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so one of the areas, one of the, one of the interesting areas for this was the fundraising side of things. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. we began this project in, in late 2021. And by the time we, we started fundraising, we had poured about $40,000 of our own money into it because wow. The, be- the way we thought would be the wisest, or not, maybe not wisest, the best way to go about it was get proof of concept, film with our speakers first, bring the documentary to the halfway point, and then we started the crowdfunding process. And so that people could know what the vision is, and so they know what they're giving towards. And so that was a huge leap of faith to put a lot of our time and money into it. And there were a handful of sleepless nights in the process of find of seeing whether people would donate. And it's an odd thing. It's a documentary on pornography. Like what? And it makes, when you watch it, it make, I think people understand so quickly once you watch it, why we built it. But it took a long time for us to find the right words to explain what, what we were doing. Like even this idea of a teaching documentary is sort of something we came up with to try and articulate that the nature of this is a story. It's a narrative, it's compelling, and it's a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, all that to say, the, the, the community we grew up in and many Christians across North America 
donated generously $85,000 in order so that we could produce this and so that we never have to have a paywall for this to be a resource that anyone can use. And um, I love that. I love that some 15-year-old anywhere in North America can go on and watch this documentary and they don't, they don't have to pay for it. And church youth leaders don't have to get budget approvals. It just can mm -hmm. be something they use. And, and that's because people were generous and sacrificed for it. And we know that, you know, no one knows, no one except us knows the people who really donated because we got all the behind the scenes information, but we have peers who donated substantial amounts of money, oh. money because they believed. And man, the gratitude, I, it's incredible. Mm. That's one of the things that we kind of through this process have realized we want to bake into uh, what we're doing as kind of like a growing uh, ministry in some ways producing video stuff is that we want to make this available for people, not through a paywall, make it for free. And Jake, you were mentioning that a little bit. I remember growing up before I was able to get a credit card thinking, oh man, I need to, like I was feeling convicted about pornography and I was like, I need to, to get some good resources to help me. But I was embarrassed to talk to people. I should have. But because I didn't have a credit card, I couldn't go out and buy one on Amazon or something like that. So I didn't. And that meant it delayed me getting plugged into good resources for a really long time because I didn't want someone to see that in the search history or in the credit card history. So that's one thing we feel burdened by is just removing every possible barrier we can and make this ministry something that people can donate to if it's something they are passionate about, seeing free resources for the church, almost like a pay it forward kind of an mm -hmm. idea. Uh, but people don't have to, and that mm -hmm. and that's great. Yeah, I'm so glad we're, we're getting to to talk about this because I wanted to highlight that it's it's free. Um, and mm -hmm. I know we're, we're about to need to wrap this up, but I'd love for y'all, one, to remind everyone that the site and also where they can help donate to this if they feel led to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know you guys are also potentially working on some other projects too. So point them to the site where they can uh, help support, but then also some of the other um, potential resources. Man, thanks. Intothelightdocumentary.com. Uh, pretty straightforward. We would be thrilled if, if anyone who's listening, if you go check it out and take a look. And, and if you're listening, we would ask you, would you consider being the point person to potentially show this at your church or show this in a, in a youth group or small group mm. context? Um, we believe it would be helpful. And so obviously that's a choice you have to make, but starting to go to intolightdocumentary.com and, and take a look at our, at our resources. And then you can hit us up on Instagram and it's pretty much at Into the Light Documentary on most of the socials. And then just some of the future projects that we're hoping for if you uh, want to help support some of these, we're looking to translate the current documentary into Spanish and Mandarin and French, because uh, we've had a lot of interest from other countries as well, but just it's not in their language. Mm -hmm. So your donations would go to that. And then a big thing that we're thinking about in 2023 is producing a video series that equips parents to handle pornography in the home and porn proof their house. That's just something that we've had so many conversations as we were filming into the light of, okay, this is great, but how, how do I have this conversation with my children? How do I help not let this fire start in the first place, not just put it out once it's already there? So we're just at the beginning process of that, but we're starting the fundraising for that as well. Uh, and 
yeah, that will hopefully be available on our website in the next year. Mm. Yeah, that, that's exciting. It is so important um, because, yes, we need this resource to, to be talking with those who are dealing with it now, but then also preventative measures and having some of those mm-hmm. early conversations. So I'm I'm excited about that. Um, Jacob, John, Michael, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast today, but thank you so much for just the the hours and the, the years that you, you put into uh, creating this documentary. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for the conversation. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without